Good morning. Welcome to Easter Mennonite Seminary Chapel Worship. Welcome to those of you gathered here in person in Martin Chapel, and welcome to those of you joining virtually. Sisters, brothers, cousins, beloved of God, may you experience grace and peace as we worship God together this morning. I am grateful for this opportunity to once again be in this place, gathered together with you all to worship. I invite you to pause with me for a moment before we begin, to just rest in God's presence. Giving ourselves a moment to just settle into this space and into this time. Breathing in the presence of God. I am so glad that you are here with me today. This prayer is from Voices Together, number 857. Holy God, you call us together to reflect on your word and our life in your world. Be with us now as we sing and pray together that we may sense your voice and understand your way. This we pray through Jesus the Christ. Amen. Our gathering hymn is Jesus Calls Us, Voices Together, number 30.
As I was planning this service, I was pondering how narrow our view of God's grace can sometimes be. How easily we, how easily I, can fall into a scarcity mindset and then become incredibly self-centered. On the, website, on the website, Sacred Eyes, I came across this prayer of confession written by John Van Delar that I would like to pray for us now. Oh God, when we choose to believe that your kingdom is no bigger than our bigotry, when we reduce your presence to the ambiance and our favorite meeting place, when we see your people as no one other than our people, when we believe that we have the authority to distribute your grace as we see fit, when we use your word to justify the way we withhold your blessing from others. When we enlist you as an enforcer of our particular ideology. When in any way, O oh God, we make you into our image. When we create our own kingdoms and call them yours, we have failed you and we have kept others away from you. Forgive us, change us, and humble us, we pray. Keep us always aware of how your grace has re rescued us, and keep us always aware of those who seek your grace in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Now please receive this word of assurance, God forgives you. Forgive yourself. Forgive others. Be at peace. Let us sing Voices Together, number 156. There is a wideness in God's mercy.
It is my pleasure to introduce two guests. We have joining us today for chapel and a visit to the seminary campus, Reverends Neil Leftwich and Scott Ferguson, who are conference superintendents of the West Virginia Conference of the United Methodist Church. Here at Eastern Mennonite Seminary, we are an approved seminary to train candidates for ordination in the United Methodist Church, and we value our relationships with these conferences very much. Welcome. Reverend Neil Leftwich is superintendent of the Northern District in the West Virginia Conference of the United Methodist Church, and he will read scripture for us here in a moment. He is a graduate of Penn State University and Methodist Theological School in Ohio. He brings 30 years of ministry experience serving United Methodist congregations in Ohio, Pennsylvania, Arizona, and West Virginia. And he served as conference superintendent in the Desert Southwest Conference before moving to the uh, to West Virginia, where he served Spruce Street United Methodist Church and became a conference superintendent. Reverend Leftwich and his wife, Judy, live in Wheeling, West Virginia. And Reverend Scott M. Ferguson, who will preach for us today, was born and raised in West Virginia and has been conference superintendent since 2003 of the Potomac Highlands District. He is responsible for 166 churches and 70 clergy. He graduated from Asbury Theological Seminary in 2007 and served two congregations as a student local pastor. And after graduating, Reverend Ferguson was appointed as lead pastor to a six-point charge with three pastors and served there for 11 years. He holds a bachelor's degree in counseling and rehabilitation, a master's degree in school counseling, and a master's of divinity. He is married to Rebecca, and they have two high school-aged children. Welcome. We look forward to hearing from you both today. Good morning. Our reading this morning from 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 12 through 17. The Lord's grace to Paul. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has given me strength that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. 
Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. It is good for us to be with you here this day. Uh, when Neil and I found out that we would be coming to Eastern Mennonite, that one of us would be preaching, I said, are you going to preach today? He said, no, you're going to preach today. I said, are you sure you're not going to preach today? And he said, no, you're going to preach today. So I drew the short straw and you get to hear the B team today. Uh, it is good for us to be able to be together and to be able to celebrate what God is doing in each of our lives. And for that, we are grateful the passage that uh, Neil shared with us, I'm grateful for, and it's begun to speak to me in my heart, especially in the season of Lent, that we oftentimes find ourselves in seasons of prayer and self-denial. We recognize that our walk with Christ is not our own as Jesus prepares the path for us to be upon. We oftentimes put aside our wants and our desires to be able to focus on what we are called to do. And this call may not always be easy, Sometimes it can often even be very difficult. And for those who are seminarians, I'm sure that you know that the call is not always easy. But it's a faith-filled call that God provides a way. And for that we are grateful. I'm grateful that we serve a forgiving God that allows us the opportunity to refocus when our call can sometimes get a little bit blurry. I'm grateful that we serve a merciful God who loves us despite our failures and our shortcomings. I'm grateful that we serve a God who loved us so much that we know he sent his one and only son into the world not to condemn the world, but so that the world through him may be saved. You see, in the season of Lent, we are reminded of where we have come from and the assurance of where we are going. In today's passage, we see a man that was given the opportunity to refocus his life on Christ when his life was a little bit blurry and how grateful he was for the gift of salvation that God provided him with. As people of faith, may we always be grateful for this gift that God has provided. So in the passage, Paul reminds us of where he's been. That at one point in time, he was a blasphemer, he was a persecutor, he was considered to be a violent man. And we know all of that from the book of Acts that we learn of his conversion experience. All of this comes to us in chapter 9 of the book of Acts, right before we hear of his conversion experience, that, he would, that we are told that he would breathe out murderous threats against God's people, that he would make it his mission to find Christians, to be able to put them in prison. And in the seventh chapter of the book of Acts, we find that he was also a violent man approving of Stephen's stoning to death. It would be safe to say that at one point in time, Paul was not a nice person at all. But the Lord provided. God provided a way for him to experience the gift of salvation and come into a thriving relationship with the Almighty God of heaven. So in this very first verse that we read from today, we see where the Apostle Paul gives thanks for this gift of strength that God has provided him with. This man experiences a transformation, and God now provides him with the strength he needs to be able to fulfill his call. Now let me ask, is it just me, or does anybody else find that we are also in need of God's strength to fulfill our calling? I'm not the only one, right? You know, we, we all probably find ourselves in need of God's strength to fulfill our call. 
Just because one is in need of God's power and God's strength does not bring into question their passion and their desire to be in service to God. But for some people, they may find that they face adversity when they're in ministry to others. Maybe when you sought to be able to reach out to others, you find that there are some who lack a sense of commitment. You invite them to church and, oh, I'll be there this Sunday. And next Sunday comes around and you don't see them. And then the following Sunday comes around and you don't see them. So you find a sense of lack of commitment. Or there are some who maybe just don't want to hear what it is that you have to offer. Maybe there are some who play on your kindness and compassion. It can even sometimes be difficult to decipher cultural values from what the church values. It can be tough. Being a Christian is not for the weary. Being a person of faith is not for the weary. But what we're dealing with today is no different than what Paul was dealing with in his day, except that maybe our tasks, our tasks may be a little bit easier than what he had to face. Paul knew that he needed strength that was not of his own making, and he recognizes that the strength he has was provided to him by the God of heaven. Today, it is incredibly difficult to do ministry of our own accord. Like Paul, we are also in need of the strength that God has to offer. I don't want to even attempt to think that I can do ministry under my own strength because I'll tell you right now, I will mess it up. I will fall short every time, but we don't have to do ministry by ourselves. Scripture reminds us, and I've held on to this passage for a long time from the book of Philippians, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. God provides strength when we find ourselves in difficult times. And and the thing about it is, I find it amazing that God provides strength to those that the church may not necessarily think is very likely to serve. I imagine that, that the Apostle Paul did not think that he would be necessarily equipped to serve in the capacity that he was called to. From all accounts of things, Paul was not the kind of person that one would think would be an advocate for Christ. And at one point, he definitely was not. But God did not discount him for service. God didn't focus on what he was, but on what he could be. I'm grateful that we serve a God that does not discount us because of our past or what we were. I'm grateful that we serve a God that calls us to service of what we can be. I'd venture to say that each of us has a call story and how we were no longer what we once were. And I hope that in our call story, we are able to see how God has worked within our lives by extending mercy and grace and how he is focused on what we can be rather than what we once were. And I'll be the first to share with you that my, you know, I did not plan to be a preacher. You know, that was not what I had intended to be able to do. My plan was to become a high school counselor. That was my goal. My, my father was an administrator in the school system. My mother was a teacher in the school system. My brother was a teacher in the school system. And I wanted to be anything but a teacher. So I was going to be a counselor, right? Because that's different. And then I began to get this call into ministry. As I was working towards that particular degree, God began to speak to me. My call was to first to go to seminary rather than what it was to the pulpit. That's part of my call story. And I believe that was the case because I didn't necessarily grow up in the church. I needed the background. I needed the theological understanding. I came from a good family who loved me dearly, 
but we rarely went to church when I was a child. So I needed a foundation, and seminary was an opportunity for me to receive that. And what I found is that ministry is tough. Ministry is not for the weak. It's not for the weary. But ministry is also rewarding. Ministry relies upon the strength of God, of what God provides us with, grace and mercy, that we're able to accomplish ministry according to God's plan. To be able to see somebody come into a relationship with Christ and you've had the opportunity to be present is a holy moment. To see somebody's life change is one of those moments in which God works greatly within each of us. And to be able to recognize that it's not me who's doing the work, it's the Christ who lives within me. The Christ who lives within you to be able to help change lives. Like the Apostle Paul, we are no longer what we once were. And that is because of the mercy that God has extended to each of us. We are blessed with the opportunities that we've been given to share his amazing love with others. And what a blessing it is when somebody actually says yes to Christ. When somebody acknowledges the Lord as their Savior. You see, ministry is not entirely about how many people we can get to sit in the pews of the church. When we measure statistics, sometimes we measure how many people are sitting in the pews. Ministry is not always about how much is put in the collection plates. Ministry is about helping others grow in their walk with the Lord and what a joy it is when we are given the privilege of helping somebody fulfill their call. Paul says in this passage, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. How many of us like to believe that we have acted in ignorance and unbelief? He, he claims it. I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, he says, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. We serve a God who is willing to provide these gifts, mercy, grace, faith, love. God does not leave us unequipped. God provides us with the tools we need to fulfill the call that's placed upon our lives. So in the times when we feel weak, let me encourage you, seek God for the strength is abundant. In the times where we have messed things up, anybody ever done ministry before and messed it up? Yeah. I'll be the first to raise my hand on that one, right? We can learn and grow within that. Don't be afraid to fail. But don't be afraid to fail because even in our failures, God is capable of doing work. In the times when we've messed things up, seek God for his mercy and grace. In the times where we feel alone, keep your faith and your trust in Christ because he provides in those times. The times that we feel unloved and unappreciated, know that the love of Christ is able to reach into the depths and the core of our very being. God provides every gift we need to be faithful. God provided for the Apostle Paul, and we know that the Apostle Paul was once a violent man and a tormentor of people of faith. The only thing he wanted to do with Jesus is to put his followers in prison or to death. And God even provided for him a way to know him as his Savior. Today, Jesus is still capable of providing even the hardest of hearts with these gifts as well. Now, I imagine that since we're here at, at Seminary Chapel today that, that you've softened your heart to the calling of God. But I also imagine that each of us knows somebody who has yet to soften their hearts to God, who their heart is hardened 
needs to experience God's amazing love. Let me encourage you to be the one that is open for God to provide these gifts of love and mercy and grace and peace because it may be you whom God desires to use in order to bring them into a relationship with the Almighty. Now, Paul continues providing what he refers to as a trustworthy saying. He says, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Now, I'm going to stop there for just a moment. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. He didn't come so that we could fill up our church pews. We've already established that. He didn't come so that we could have an easy life. We've established that. He didn't come so that we could climb the ladder of success and sit in positions of power and authority. He came so that we may have life abundantly. He came so that the lost may be saved. In the life of the church, keep your focus on God's great gift. Because there are, are, are seasons of life in which we will attempt to be able to do ministry and we, we can get sidetracked. We can get thrown off course if we're not careful. Keep your focus on the reason that Christ came. So that the lost may come into a saving relationship. When we do ministry, it has to be with the mindset that there are, there are those, including ourselves, who are in need of spiritual growth. I once heard it said that the church is the only organization that exists for their non-members. That began to speak to me a little bit. The, the church is the only organization that exists for their non-members. And what that means is that the membership is called to be able to grow the kingdom by helping those who are not in the membership to be able to say yes to a thriving relationship with Christ. We can provide opportunities. You can't force somebody. Don't even try to force somebody. But provide opportunities for people to find a close, intimate relationship with the Almighty. For the scripture reminds us Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And of that I am most grateful. For the Bible also reminds us all have sinned and fall, fallen short of the glory of God, of which I am one of those. And I am grateful that he came into this world to offer the gift of salvation for me. It was not his purpose to be able to do other things. His purpose was to be able to save the lost. Paul continues by saying that he is the worst of those who are sinful. And then he says, but for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. So God provides a way for even the worst of the worst to find the gift of salvation. And Paul says that it was through God's immense patience. I once heard when I was younger, be careful about praying for patience, because you just might get it. You probably heard that saying before too, right? You know, God has an immense patience. Now this concept catches my attention because I understand that, that when I am hungry, I am not very patient. Neil and I, we have a couple of hours ride home whenever we leave here today, and I am thankful for the lunch that's going to be provided here in a little bit. You know, I am not always very patient 
my family says that I have this disease called hangriness, you know, and, uh, and it's true. When I'm in line at the store, I may not always be the most patient person. When my car has had a recall and I have to wait at the garage for hours on end, sometimes I may find myself a little less patient than I should be. And maybe there's reasons why I find that my patience wears thin. I've come to realize that sometimes I'm a very selfish person. I want what I want and I want it now. Maybe God wants me to be a little bit more patient. I've learned that when we see people as people, rather than agendas or an employee somewhere, when we see people as people, then we oftentimes find a little more patience. So when I've been in the line at the store before and when I go to the, the local Walmart and like normal, there's two of the 25 lines that are open and there's only a few people cashing people out that uh, I can be a little bit more patient. And there happened once upon a time that there was an individual that was cashing people out and there was a long line. And so we got in the line because we had a buggy full of groceries. And uh, we waited and we waited and we waited. And I found myself getting a little less patient every moment that we had to wait. And we finally made it up to where it was our turn and you could see that the gentleman that was checking people out was not having the best of days. Maybe other people were a little less patient with him as well. And what I realized is that my impatience almost made his day a little bit worse. I realized that when I started seeing him as a person rather than an employee, I found compassion and I found compatience, or patience. And he, he was working hard. He was doing the best that he could possibly do. He was a man that was working well into what should have been his retirement years. And my frustration began to subside, and we began to talk. And by the time we were finished, I hoped that his day was a little bit better than it was before because I can tell you my day was a whole lot better than what it was. And it was because God's immense patience was present. I'm grateful that Jesus has seen us as God's children rather than an agenda or rather than an employee. That he doesn't get so frustrated that he loses his patience upon us. Paul refers to Jesus as having this immense patience with him, which means that God was willing to go the extra mile for Paul. He's still willing to go the extra mile for each of us today. The question that comes about is this. As the body of Christ, as the hands and feet of Jesus, are we willing to go the extra mile to share the love of Christ with others? Because... It may be you that God is providing through. When we say the Lord provides, we oftentimes want to believe that God is going to provide for me. And I'm thankful for that. But maybe you are the one that, that God is providing through to the, for another person to receive. Paul recognizes that God's immense patience with him was to able to serve as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Today, God is capable of providing the gifts that we have learned about. For he is patient. He is merciful. He is filled with grace. He provides strength. 
God is one who is faithful. God is one who is willing to love. He provides us with the gifts that we need to be focusing upon him. May not always be the easiest tasks that we're called to perform, but we can experience the rewards that our Heavenly Father has for each of us. May we continue the journey that God calls us to, wherever it is that we are on the path. May the blessings of the Lord be upon you this day and in the days to come. Amen.
Thank you, Scott, for your message this morning. And Marcy and Laura for your musical gifts that you share with us so often. As this service comes to a close, I would like to read a poem that is out of season. It is not a poem that was written for Lent, but rather a poem of blessing that was written for Pentecost. Um, but Pentecost is on May 28th, which is a whole month after our chapel services pause for our summer break. Um, so consider this an aspirational poem, <laughs> a blessing that you can tuck away um, and carry around with you in your heart for the next two months. Um, I was drawn to this poem and wanted to share it with you today because I was thinking about how Paul wasn't called by God to simply bask in his own individual salvation, but because of the mercy and grace he received through Messiah Jesus, Paul was able to love people he would have previously dismissed or despised and build community with them. Um, this poem, poem is called This Grace That Scorches Us. It's written by Jan Richardson and is published in her book, The Circle of Grace, a book of blessings for the seasons. Here is one thing you must understand about this blessing. It is not for you alone. It is stubborn about this. Do not even try to lay hold of it if you are, if you are by yourself, thinking you can carry it on your own. To bear this blessing, you must first take yourself to a place where everyone does not look like you or think like you. A place where they do not believe precisely as you believe, where their thoughts and ideas and gestures are not exact echoes of your own. Bring your sorrow, bring your grief, bring your fear, bring your weariness, your pain, your disgust at how broken the world is, how fractured, how fragmented by its fightings, fighting its wars, its hungers, its penchant for power, its ceaseless repetition of the history it refuses to rise above. I will not tell you that this blessing will fix all that. But in the place where you have gathered, wait, watch, listen. Lay aside your inability to be surprised, your resistance to what you do not understand. See then whether this blessing turns to flame on your tongue sets you to speaking what you cannot fathom or opens your ear to a language or your senses to a language 
beyond your imagination that comes as a knowing in your bones, a clarity in your heart that tells you this is the reason we were made for this ache that finally opens us for this struggle, this grace that scorches us toward one another and into the blazing day. May this be so for us as we move through the remainder of the season of Lent and into the season of Easter and beyond. Before we end our service today, I want to draw our attention, your attention to the back of your bulletins for um, our community events. Today, our UMC guests, um, district superintendents from the West Virginia United Methodist Conference, um, are treating seminary students to lunch in the EMU dining hall. Um, some um, UMC students have already signed up to attend. However, all seminary students are welcome to join, even if you did not sign up ahead of time. So to enjoy this lunch and the conversation about ministry leadership in West Virginia, please meet in the foyer immediately after chapel um, to go to the dining hall together as a group. Um, you'll see that next Tuesday, um, our seminary chapel will be a collection of Passion Week tellings. Um, from the Gospel of Matthew um, by the Shenandoah Valley Biblical Storytellers. Um, Lydia is a member of that group, so we're really excited to have um, that group here with us next week um, for our chapel service. And then the next week, April 11th, um, we will have Easter choral celebration um, with the Rockingham Male Chorus. Um, and Jeff is a part of that um, group, so we're really excited about that. Um, so, and then the following week we, ha oh, and then also there's a capstone, pre oh, the April 18th we have the MCUSA denominational minister, um, Rachel Ringenberg-Miller coming, and a capstone presentation. And then our final chapel service of the semester, we will have a retirement recognition um, celebration. And Marcy has an announcement before we will close with our benediction. Two weeks from today in the evening is an opportunity for EMU students, uh, you should have received an email if you didn't uh, let me know, to come to the library and talk about services and spaces and collections that serve students better. And it starts at 6.30 on the 11th with a complimentary catered dinner, and then from 7 to 8.30 a facilitated World Cafe conversation with two uh, graduate students from CJP in library room 303. So if you're interested um, and haven't uh, signed up, there's a form to fill out or you can just send me an email, but we would love to have some seminary students as part of this conversation, so thank you.
Let us pray together. O gracious God, in the quiet of these moments, we now prepare to go out into a noisy world that we can experience your amazing love. Gracious God, we pray that your Holy Spirit lead us and direct our path, that we may find ourselves faithful to you. We are grateful for the work that you call each of us to, the work to learn, the work to grow, the work to share, the work to love. Gracious God, we pray that your Spirit strengthen us for the days to come, and we are grateful for the amazing love that you share with each of us. May we now go out into the world sharing that love with others. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, and amen.